You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 15. This is Writing Excuses Dialogue. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Dan. And I'm having a conversation with my friends Brandon, Mary Robinette, and Dan. Uh, We are once again using your questions to sculpt these specific uh, episodes. And while the title is very generic, Dialogue, there's a specific aspect of Dialogue you're asking questions about. Um, Here is uh, the first question. Most of my Dialogue scenes end up being turning into logic-based debates between whatever characters in the room. Is this the problem? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, there there are times—I shouldn't say that. Uh, If it's all of your scenes are turning into that, that's that's the problem. Having having a scene that's like that, that's not a problem. Um, So— there are there's a bunch of things that you can do to address that. One of them is to make sure that there's, uh, if you give two two goals in the room, one is a physical goal and the other is a conversational goal, that's immediately going to cause things to, to shift for the, uh, the shape. Yeah, the agreed. Um, uh, now, going back to your first point, Mary Robinette, it's not necessarily a problem unless it's all the time. What this means is, Having different scenes feel different is part of what makes a book work. And having some of your dialogue scenes that read like, you know, Aaron Sorkin dialogue, where it's just like back and forth, snap, 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 is great. Uh, It can be really exciting. It can yank you through a scene really quick. It can make you smile. It can make you just have a, a blast. But if every page is only that... It starts to like anything in a writing. It gets exhausting. And let's uh, open up for a moment and and look at the you know the logic based debate between two characters. Fundamentally, what you have there, uh, it sounds like, is a conflict of ideas, and that is what if that's what every scene is ending up being, then every scene in which you have dialogue, the conflict is competing ideas. Um, There is. 
if, if we categorize the types of conversations people have, um, you know, one type of conversation that can be very dramatic is the one where one person is trying to tell a story without revealing a key secret, and the other person is trying to learn the key secret and doesn't care about the story. And, and they're, they're, now they're not arguing, but there is tension. Mm-hmm. There is conflict. Uh, the fact that this is a logic-based debate also potentially highlights another issue, which is uh, that most people make decisions based on emotion rather than on logic. I used to work in ad- advertising and marketing, and that was our, our hallmark. People think they make decisions based on logic, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it comes down to whatever emotional connection they have forged between themselves and the the solution. And so making, you know— if your characters are being very careful to plan out exactly the best possible, you know, course of action or determine in steady debate who is right and who is wrong, most conversations in the real world don't go that way. Some do, but most of them are a lot more emotional than that. There's a there's a trick that I have for for when I discover that I have accidentally written one of those things aside from the introducing uh, physical conflict. Um, and this is, uh, this is to go through, this is a totally mechanical exercise, but super fun. Um, I go through and I remove every third line of dialogue because one of the things that happens when you're conversing with someone that you're familiar with is that you'll, you'll jump ahead. You'll see where they're heading and you'll jump to the next point. And so when you pull out every third line of dialogue, and, and I, I want to be really clear, this is an exercise, this doesn't work for everything, but when you do it. <laughs> What happens is that those natural jumps ahead begin to happen. Uh, and you do have to put in some bridging material to, to cover them, but it gets really interesting. It often has a more naturalistic flow and it compresses the scene too. One of the worries I have from this question is, again, if everything is a logic-based debate, um, I worry about character voices all sounding the same. And one of the things I look for as a reader that really makes scenes work for me is when there's a lot of variety mm-hmm. to motivations, to how people approach um, a conversation. Uh, Dan mentions that a lot of people make decisions based on emotions. Having somebody think that they're logic-based, but they're really emotional, facing someone who is very logic-based or someone who's upfront about their emotions is often a more interesting scene than a platonic debate or a Socratic debate um, about, you know, here is the lo- are the logical points that I am making. Uh, oftentimes, that's just real boring to read uh, because we want to see the character's investment in this. There are uh, there's some tricks to changing the uh, the the nature of a character voice um, that I learned from doing audiobook narration. Uh, there are five things that make an, a character voice in audio: um, pitch, placement, pacing, accent, and attitude. Pitch and placement you can't do a darn thing with on the page except to refer to them. But pacing, accent, and attitude are absolutely things you can manipulate. Uh, the length of time, so pacing you control with with punctuation. Uh, how long the sentences are, where you put the commas, whether or not a character gets commas. Uh, someone who speaks in a run-on sentence is going to have a very different feel than someone who has lots of short sentences. Uh, accent is the sentence structure and the word choice. So if you take a training phrase like, what did you say? 
you know, that that is serving to say, um, you know, I, I, I want you to tell me more. Right. It can it can take a lot of different forms. But a British nanny is going to say, pardon me, dearie. And a drill sergeant is going to say, what do you say, maggot? Mm-hmm. So ch- looking at the word choice and sentence structure um, and then the attitude is uh, what the person how the person feels. And again, that that changes the word choices that we make. It changes our pacing. So looking at uh, your your use of punctuation and your word choice and sentence structure is a great way to to shift the the language of your characters. So one of the things I've noticed uh, teaching my class at the university over these these last years um, is that a lot of my students aren't very fluent with punctuation. Now, these are high-level students. It's usually, to get in my class, there's 15 slots, and we usually have 100 or more applications, and we pick it based solely on how good are these, the sample chapters that they send. Uh, so these are, these are high-level amateur writers. And um, I just assume, because they are high-level amateur writers, that if they're not using certain populate, um, punctuation structures, they've made a stylistic decision, right? It's okay to not like M dashes, for instance. Sure. Um, I love them. Other people are like, you know what? I don't like this punctuation. It becomes a crutch, whatever. Totally all right. But I've started to mention to people like, hey, this might use an M dash. I know you probably aren't stylistically interested in, in them, but you might want to experiment with like an M dash. And I realized a lot of high-level writing students get there by practicing a ton, but they aren't using all the tools because they haven't been able to figure out how to take all those boring, dry English major classes <laughs> and apply them to actually writing um, stories. And using M dashes, colons, semicolons, commas, uh, ellipses in your dialogue, that's like something that's vital to me in order to make it feel right. Um, and I'm realizing more and more, a lot of my students don't use it just because they've never been had those tools explained as potential tools for controlling how the reader reads a scene. Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's stop for our book of the week. That is The Lost Future of Pepper Haro by Natasha Pulley. I love this book. The first book is um, The Watchmaker of Filigree Street. I, I had enough time in between reading that one and when I got The Lost Future of Pepper Haro that I think that you can actually read this as a standalone. Um, obviously, there's some nuances, but basically, uh, the main character is a composer and a synesthete. He has synesthesia. Um, it's set in Victorian England. Uh, there's another character who is clairvoyant. And it's this whole interesting thing of, like, what is free will? What are the choices that you make? Um, and then there's a clockwork octopus that seals socks. Uh, it's It's just... Beautifully, beautifully written. It actually explains a lot. (laughs) Yeah, so many things. Uh, So beautifully written. I love these books with abandon. One of the other things that I also love is that there's a little girl character whose name is Six. um, And she is, to a modern eye, uh, she is, uh, she's probably autistic. But they don't have the word. And the the people just accept that this is this is who she is. They don't try to f- make her be someone else. She's just allowed to live her life, and and there's no like we're going to cure her subplot or anything like that. It's just it, it's just characters who are fascinating. I just love these books a lot. I'm going to ramble about them for days. Uh, the Lost Future of Pepper Haro. Uh, the, one of the reasons that I actually wanted to bring this up with dialogue is that much of it takes place in Japan when people are speaking Japanese. And she has made the choice to render it in um, in slang that is, uh, that is class-linked to um, to Victorian England because the character who is interpreting it is a Victorian. And so when someone is lower class, in his head, he hears them as Cockney. Mm. Um, because right. it, it's, it's so good. Mm. Uh, it's really interesting. Awesome. The Lost Future of Pepper Harrow. All right. So the second question we have for this week is what can I do to create more variety in my dialogue structure um, or in my dialogue scenes. Um, And one of the things you can do is uh, something that I love to do. When I notice one of these scenes, sometimes I just keep it, right? My dialogue scene is working. Sometimes I'm like, I have had too many scenes like this. And these are the equivalents. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before. In movies, you will occasionally have scenes where two characters walk down a hallway, stop, and then there's a shot, reverse shot as they have a conversation. Then they walk a little further down the hallway, then they stop, and there's a shot, reverse shot. And then they walk a little further, and then shot, reverse shot. And these scenes are okay, but they're kind of the cinematic version of sometimes you just need to summarize in your book. They're the sort of things that you don't want to have to use unless it's the exact right tool at the exact right time. They are a little bit lazy, um, and they're a little bit boring. 
And in books, sometimes you have these scenes of dialogue where you're like, I just need to get this information across. I know I need to get it across. I don't want to do it as a big info dump. So I'm going to have characters have a conversation about it and do my best to not make it feel made in Butler. I have found most of the time, if I can move that scene into some other interesting setting. Let me give you an example. From Oathbringer, I had one of these. It was boring. It's one of the worst (laughs) scenes in the book. And I just threw it away. And I instead had a character. I'm like, who is this character? What is happening? Well, it's Dalinar. Um, He is a warlord who is kind of repentant and becoming a different person, but he kind of wants to hold on to the fact that I am a, I'm a tough warrior. And so he goes down and he wants to do some wrestling, right? It's this whole thing. I'm going to go recapture some of my youth. And he just gets trounced by all these younger men. And in the meantime, his wife shows up and says, we were supposed to have a meeting. We're going to talk about this. He's like, do it right now. And it was during the wrestling match. And you would think that this doesn't work, but it worked perfectly because I was over to over, uh, give the subtext of he's trying to capture his youth without ever saying it with the things she's saying representing his new life that he's supposed to be yeah. getting better at instead of going trying to recapture his youth. And the scene just played wonderfully in this setting where he's getting pinned by these younger <laughs> men that are feeling kind of embarrassed that they're taking their king and basically just, you know, he can't do it anymore. Um, and just changing that scene, when I went, ran that one through writing group, one of my writing group members said, wow, this is the best scene in the whole, the whole sequence, the whole sequence of chapters, and it started as the worst one. So just kind of giving some more flavor to the scene can be really handy. Well, that, that gets back to one of the things we were talking about ahead of time uh, at the early thing was giving them two different goals, the physical mm-hmm. goal and the, uh, the, the verbal, emo- you know, the emotional goal. And sometimes those two things are vastly just, they are fighting themselves. Mm-hmm. That sounds like so much fun. I think in terms a lot of uh, what is the reader's reward for having read this chapter or this scene or whatever. Um, I mean, the scene has a purpose. And in some cases, the purpose is, oh, I got to do a bunch of exposition so that I can do a bunch of plot later. Uh, the scene's purpose is not the reward. One of the purposes should be a reward of some sort, some page-turny bit. Um, taking the shot versus shot example, or the the shot versus the, the whole hallway walking scene. Um, one, yes, those are those are terribly lazy. But if in that scene we are traversing a space between two very interesting spaces. And we arrive someplace where the camera opens up onto something wondrous and the conversation stops because we are now in a new place and looking at something interesting. Well, now that whole thing was justified because we set up pacing for for an eye candy, whatever. Agreed. And so I love I some of those ab- I always think about it in terms of what's the reward for the reader? And if there isn't one, what can I put in? You said something that made me think of a a thing, which is that when you are looking at these scenes, they actually serve two functions. Uh, There's the authorial intent, the reason you, the author, need the book, that that scene in there. But then there's the character intention. Every time we're talking, we are speaking for a reason. There's something that we are trying to accomplish. Sometimes it's, I want to look clever. Sometimes I want to get information. Sometimes it's, I want to prevent someone. It's, there's a purpose behind that. So if you can think about exactly why the character is saying that, and you make sure that that is present in the scene, it's not a scene that's just, hello, here is my authorial intent. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's what I wanted to to mention as well, because when we start scenes, we often think about what our goal as the writer is. What is this scene intended to accomplish? Making sure that you know what their goals are. Not only does it, you know, provide more characterization like that, but usually what it does is it brings a lot of imbalance into the scene. Uh, people want to have a different conversation than the person they're talking to wants to have. Or you will have a power imbalance where you are, you know, one character is trying to convince their teenager or their employee or something to do something and like, I don't want to be a part of this conversation at all, or just a child talking to an adult and is not being treated seriously. Uh, and those imbalances, wherever they come from and however they manifest, can add a lot of texture in there as well. All right. Um, that was a really good conversation about dialogue. Hey. Uh, look at that. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our homework, which Mary Robinette is going to give to us. Yes. So um, what I want you to do is I want you to take a scene with dialogue. Um, this can be a scene from something that's already written or something that, like a published thing or something that you've written. I want you to remove all of the description from it. So that you're just left with dialogue. And then I want you to do that thing I mentioned earlier. I want you to remove every third line of dialogue. Put the context back in and use body language and uh, internal motivation, you know, where the character is thinking. Build bridging things in there so that the scene now flows with those pieces of dialogue missing. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.